and welcome to Once More with Feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffy fancast. I am your watcher, Kinsey. I'm your watcher, Donna. I'm your watcher, Jack. I am your vampire, Adrian. <laughs> and as you can see, we have Adrian back, though she's slightly changed, and she is a vampire now. So we did not rescue her in time. In time. It was very sad. Was. We didn't actually rescue her at all. She's here to try to trick us. That is true. How did you get in here? Wait. Did you invite her in, Jack? Of course, because it's Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we watched Nightmares, and um, this one was directed by Bruce Seth Green, and it was the story is by Joss Whedon, but the teleplay was by David Greenwald. That's something I noticed these last couple, starting with this one, that you start seeing story by Whedon, and then it's kind of flushed out differently. So I think that kind of is worth bringing up. I, I think that we've seen David Greenwald's name on other episodes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that, by the way. I was going to suggest that we start doing that, and then you just spontaneously did it. So thank you. <laughs> well, what I, what, I, what I ran back to my house to unsuccessfully grab was a book that should have this information in it. Okay. Well, I ended up watching this episode twice for reasons, um, and it, I'm really glad I did because on the second um, watch, things made just a little more sense to me, a couple of things that I had questions about. Seems like that kind of an episode. Yeah, exactly. So the the real short version of what happens here is that people's nightmares start coming true, and uh, they find the source of it and eventually fix it, but not before people learn a little bit about themselves. That's my synopsis. That's a good synopsis. I also like to dub this episode, on a very special episode of Buffy, we talk about abuse from a coach. That's actually a very good point. Uh, there might be a little bit of a trigger warning here for people who are concerned about uh, kids getting abused, which I hope is everybody, because that's the thing to be concerned about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I remember really liking this episode, um, but like I remember really liking it the first time as well as the second time, um, but I missed it during its first airing. Um, it felt like it. it it felt a, a little more melodramatic to me this time than it did the first time, uh, but that's probably just because, like, I've, like... Because it was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the 90s was everything. Everything was a lot more melodramatic. Um, I do have a subtitle I want to suggest for this episode. Maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt is sorry about that. Is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, no it is not. It looks a lot like... There yes, was a moment it, where it does! I, it looks so much like him that there were a couple times in the episode where I was like... Is he? I thought he was my age. Yeah, <laughs> and I was very, very confused. I was very surprised that Jordan, just Jordan Levitt, had been so young yeah. back then. Yeah, but he also looks a lot like uh, like the kid that plays the Anointed. You know, I actually th- like for a little bit at the beginning of the episode, legitimately thought it was the Anointed one. Yeah. Oh, Joss Whedon has a type with both male and females. He really likes those big-eyed, petite women, and he really likes the big kind of square-jawed, manly type, and he likes the big-eyed waifs. Yeah. I wanted to, to sort of go off on what Jay said about really liking this episode. I think, like, I remember also really liking this episode when I was a kid. And, uh, trigger warning, my mom had not great taste in, in men. And so, as a kid, I think I often sought out stories about abused kids a lot Mm -hmm. and this one i really really liked because it wasn't your typical sort of like sad 
oh, the kid's being abused and now everything sucks and the kid dies or kills themselves or they go off to a foster home or something. Like, this one felt more empowering to me, even though it had a really cheesy ending with not great actors. It's still, like, I think this was one of the first episodes where I was like, this show is something special. Right. Like, this show is dealing with themes that you would not expect to see in a, like, Monster of the Week supernatural TV show. Well, and that's why I think, that's why I pointed out that you can definitely tell with it, the story being by Whedon, Mm -hmm. that it just, it's, it just hits things that you know, he's like, okay, this is, you know. He's all about his supernatural as a metaphor. Yeah. So, the acting in this episode was amazing. For the most part, Yes. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar acting her anxiety or Buffy's anxiety about her dad. I was just heartbreaking. Crap. Yeah, during that scene with Hank Summers, I did not. Oh. Well, that yes, and that was a heartbreaking scene. But when her mom's driving her to school and she's going, "Are you sure he's coming? Are you sure he's coming?" Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh. And then he's like, and then Joyce is like, "Are you, are you worried your dad's not going to come?" And Buffy's like, "No." Should I be? Should I be? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that Willow's fear was singing because I know that in Once More with Feeling, when we finally get there, she sings all of two lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that Allison Hannigan didn't want to do that. And she has since said that she, I believe she has since said that she regrets having not done more. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting that he, that Whedon actually seems to be taking the actors into account right. when he's writing their, their characters. He was doing the uh, doing the Ryan Murphy thing before Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy, he, he stole from Whedon. No, I liked, and I didn't realize what she was supposed to perform, but I watched this one with Billy, and it was Madame Butterfly. I, th- you know, I had, a, I had in my head such a clear recollection that it was supposed to be Madame Butterfly, that I thought for sure they were going to say it at some point, but I think it's actually in the other Nightmare episode with the cheese. The cheese. <laughs> like that episode when it states that she is supposed to be singing Madame Butterfly, but she's dressed similarly, mm-hmm. if not the exact same in this one. So I think it's a continuation of the yeah. She has anxiety about Madame Butterfly. So um, about something I meant to mention... In the last episode, and I completely forgot, uh, slightly slightly off topic, but we have complained quite a bit about the video quality uh, in the previous episodes. And I oh, been, I have a note about that. I have been watching these on my DVD at home, and the video quality is fine. There is nothing wrong with the video quality on what I'm watching on my DVDs at home. So I think, wasn't it you that sent the link about... The uh, the transferring it to what's HD wrong with Buffy's HD and them not using the right filters and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with the video quality that I'm seeing. Well, I don't think that Hulu has the HD remaster, yeah. so I think we're, what, what we're seeing is pretty close to what was originally aired. Because I, I looked at what we're watching on Hulu and compared it to the What's Wrong with Buffy's HD video, mm-hmm. and we're not seeing whatever HD cut they. Hmm. They were talking Interesting. about. Interesting. I just I know when I when I when, I, when we've watched it here, I thought, man, this looks like a soap opera, and it doesn't on hmm. what I'm watching. I so, mean, I wonder what cut, what cut you have of it. I don't know, but I've had it for quite a long time. <laughs> so, 
Um, but there, at any rate, there was a shot that I noticed um, during the talk, the, the nightmare talk that Buffy has with her father, when he's like, "It wasn't your mother. It wasn't someone else. It was you." And the camera is over the father's shoulder, shooting Buffy's reaction, and it's super blurry. Like, just that once, the rest of Buffy's reaction shots are fine, but that one was so blurry. Like, hmm. I, I was like, I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. Well, it's because the camera was crying, too. The camera was crying, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, that line was <laughs> That terrible. line was fucking so, awful. It was, it was you, having you, raising you, seeing you every day. I mean, do you have any God. idea what that's like? Oh, oh, that, that scene, I hesitate to use the word triggered, but oh, that scene, that... Hurt and, and you repeating the line, it hurts. Ah, oh, it hurts. Yeah, it's that's, brutal. It's I mean that's I think that's the most accurate word is brutal. Well, and I yeah. think it's such like a common fear for kids who have divorced parents. Like, you know, kids always think it's their fault, and I think like I'm not saying that it is the kid's fault, but I am going to say that having a kid puts extra stress on a relationship, Absolutely. and so it is easy. It is an easy, easy thing for a parent to slip up and say just the wrong not even the wrong thing like the wrong word there's the wrong word choice the wrong inflection and kids pick up on that and so I think that is such a common common fear for kids to have and it is often accidentally hinted at I think you're right yeah one thing I really enjoyed about this episode to change the subject but is the, <laughs> um, some of these really stereotypical nightmares that some of these people were having that were just they're just universal. I don't think we all have all of these dreams, but we've all had some of these dreams. Uh, there was Buffy uh, having the history test for a class she had never been to. Uh, there was the mom showing up to embarrass the um, the greaser guy. guy. The yeah, greaser. The greaser. I was actually looking for a different word, but we'll go with that one. Uh, there was Xander's naked dream. Uh, of course, the dad and the it's your fault we got divorced. Which was Xander. a happy moment for me. The naked moment? Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about that in a minute. It was a bad thing. Bad, bad then there, thing. Then there was the, the public speaking slash singing. There was clowns buried alive. The swarms of bees and wasps. I kept looking for, and I never saw someone falling. That was about the only stereotypical dream that, you, that wasn't there. That I didn't see. And it may yeah. have been there. There were some chaotic shots, but I never saw it. Uh, but, I, yes, the naked dream, I was deeply amused the effort they went to to hide that Nicholas Brendan actually has a pretty nice body. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so in our sister podcast, we talked about um, a little, we, we recently watched Evil Dead 2. And I mentioned on there the similarities that Nicholas Brendan shares with Bruce Campbell. And I think you actually get to see some shades of that in this episode mm-hmm. when he's dealing with the clown in his clumsy fall escape when he does like this weird backflip. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that li- that that's a little Bruce Campbell-y. I can't not see it. <laughs> I cannot not see it. Oh, I forgot to mention in the beginning, we still have the cheesy voiceover and the chalkboard font. Okay. I thought had, it was gone by now, which is why I keep bringing it up. I just, I am just excited to know when we get to the normal stuff. Then we had some of the, I don't know, spiders may be a stereotypical nightmare too. But we had some of the specific, like Cordelia's fear of being weird. Did anybody else think she was kind of cute when she was well, weird? Yes. Last, last <laughs> episode, I, I got these two episodes mixed up, and I commented. There's a point where 
uh, Giles gets Cordelia to go away by making her think there's something wrong with her hair. Mm-hmm. And I commented at that time that her nightmare, of course, was having bad hair and how kind of offended I was as a curly-haired woman that, <laughs> um, that her having frizzy hair was her nightmare. But, yeah, I thought she looked cute. Um, oh, Willow was sort of shades of Anya about the spiders. Uh-huh. Like, like I think that almost, like, Anya hits almost those same beats when she's talking about why she's afraid of rabbits. And then Xander said that she was being insane about the spiders, and I'm like, spiders crawled out of a book. I'm not sure that's insane. Okay, I, I, I have opinions about Xander in these last few episodes. Okay. Um, I, like, particularly in the dummy episode, and I know I wasn't here, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. That's cool. Particularly in the dummy episode, he was a fucking asshole. Like, taking that dummy and mocking Buffy. Thank you! Yes! Like, what? I said that too. <laughs> yeah. Taking, like, like mocking Buffy the way that he did with that dummy was... Like, that's not even a friendly, joking... And he didn't even seem friendly about it. Like, he mm-hmm. seemed cold and mean. Like, he wanted to hurt her. There wasn't, like, any warmth in that joke at all. And he sort of did the same thing in this one, too, where he just went kind of super D-bag and was really neat, like... I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of. Derisive? Derisive. Very derisive towards Willow and how she felt about the the spiders. Mm -hmm. And kind of shitty to Wendell, too. And I don't know what's going on with that. I wonder if he was doing that, and I'm totally playing devil's advocate here, basically (laughs) just to be like, oh... You're afraid of this. Well, that's stupid. Stupid. Blah, blah, blah. So no one will know what he's afraid of, which we see. And it's like, so now no one will know his secret fear. So let's project all of this like, ha, ha, ha. And then... See, I can sort of get behind that, except that he was he was actually worse in the dummy episode. Like, he was mean in this episode, but he was meaner in the dummy episode. And so while I can get behind what you're saying, I don't know. I was just like, dude, Xander, you were really great. And now you're you are falling off that wagon. I have, in, I have in my notes an Ozander moment. They're not insects. They're arachnids. They're from the Middle East. Oh God, he said that. I missed yes, that. Yes, he said that. Oh man. That was my Ozander moment. My like, the oh, thing God. I wrote down was it's funny if you're me. WTF is going on with Xander? Because it was like whenever he was like it's funny if you're me. I was like. I don't know. I feel like there were so many ways he could have delivered that where I, I, it would have had the warmth that I expect from Xander, mm-hmm. and he didn't. And I guess I wonder if that was direction or a decision uh. that that Nicola, my friend Nicholas, made. I never know how to refer to actors. <laughs> Me and Nikki. We, Me and Nikki. Yeah. Nick and I. Well, I wonder if it's just he. He is still all over the place character-wise. Like you know, he is. like just trying. They, they still. They don't know which beat to hit with him. Like, I mean, we get there. We all know we get there. But it's still this first season. It's like, well, let's tap this thing. Well, okay, that doesn't work. What about over here? Okay, okay, sorry about that. (laughs) We'll go right here. Okay, this works. Okay, we're going to keep this right here, you know. That makes sense. Like, And I think that it's particularly apparent because other people's characters are so clear. Like, we know who Willow is. We know who Buffy is. We know we, We know everybody. And I wonder if that's actually them not knowing how to write Xander yet, or if that is actually literally Xander not knowing who he is yet. Could be some of both. Yeah. Could be some of both. I mean, he's supposed to be a 16-year-old boy, and 
16-year-olds in general are not the most stable human beings on the planet. True. Speaking of not knowing who he is yet, so Xander goes on about the teacher's blue Angora sweater when they were supposed to be taught doing the act of listening. And I... I was watching it, and my husband was sitting over my shoulder, and he was like, you know, this is really funny when you take into account the fact that they've said they didn't know if Xander or Willow was going to be the gay character, because now you can read this scene one of two stereotypical ways. Um, so, what would be your nightmare? I mean, if it took literal nightmares that I've had, I my my repeated nightmares are apocalypses usually by zombies or some sort of like human infesting monster Mm -hmm. and uh weird houses where you know there's something in the other room interesting jack i share one with giles not being able to read not being able to read like i I would just die like it'd be the worst uh the just like i've considered what i would like what sense i'd be okay with losing like many times, and of the two, of the two, like crucial uh, seeing and hearing, like I would have to go hearing because, like, seeing is way too important to me. See, I found audiobooks. I'd be like, ah, eh, that sucks. I'll listen to audio. <laughs> what about you, Kenzie? <laughs> so mine would be Michael Myers from Halloween, and I he, no, like he so. He shows up in my dreams. When he does, it's always like I'm stressed about something. Like, and I will be having a dream, and it may be something kind of normal people find creepy or whatever. Then I'm like, oh, I'm fine with. And I start seeing him out of the corner of my 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 eye, and I'm like, I become very self aware in my dream, and I'm trying to physically wake myself up. Like, I'm like, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. I need to wake up. This is bad. This is bad. I gotta wake up. And like, I'll jolt myself awake, and then. Sometimes I won't wake myself up enough because then when I close my eyes, he's like right there. I'm like, no, nope, I'm not. I gotta, I gotta, gotta stay awake just a couple more minutes and then I'm fine. But yeah, that's mine. Also, this question changes pre or post kid. Because pre kid, all apocalypse dreams, like I described. Now I have weird fucking parental anxiety dreams, like somebody cutting my daughter's hair too short and me having to console her. And tell her that it's going to be okay while they continue to cut the hair because it's too late to stop them. And knowing that at some point they're going to finish and she's going to see that all of her hair is gone. Uh-oh. And I'm like, I really miss the apocalypse dreams. Those, I woke up from those and I was like, nope, the world's still intact. We're good. This one, I'm like, is her hair okay? You're such a good mom. <laughs> I, I have had a series of, I haven't had them in a long time, thank God. But I have had this recurring dream, and the details are always different, but the short version of it is I kill somebody, I murder, I flat murder somebody, and uh, and then I start to realize that I made some major mistake. Like, in one case, I literally left my driver's license behind. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then what wakes me up is I start to panic because I'm going to get caught. And, that, and, that's, and so I wake up in a panic going... Wait, I didn't kill anybody. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I am in a full-on panic when I wake up. So it's it's a it's a it's a weird dream. I thought Cordelia was really great in this episode. She uh, she had so many just like background scenes where she really kind of stole it. Yeah. yeah, like when she when she actually saves Buffy from like being lost and not knowing where her class is. Mm-hmm. Like little moments like that, and also a, a moment that made her really realistic to me was when she's doing her popular girl shit, 
uh, I'm a bitch, look at me. Uh, and she's doing it to Wendell in the teaser. Um, and one of the things that I noticed was that Will- Wendell and Xander kind of band her back and Cordelia accepts the banter and continues. It's like, you know, as long as we both know our social place, we can play. That is something I have always really kind of liked about Cordelia. She doesn't really care if what she has said has actually caused damage or not. You mm-hmm. know, she said what she had to say and, you know, we're going to move on. But I also love how Xander, I mean, it's pretty consistent that Xander will step in there against a bully and when when Cordelia said what she said, when Wendell Xander was right in there, yeah, to kind of push back. So I don't know, but you're right. Cordelia was great in this episode. Um, I have a note here that the Dream Master looked weird. Like, you know gonna, what? He just Buffy has never seen him. Buffy has never seen the Master. But that's oh, this weird. was actually this was actually the first time she actually sees him. But but if she's having a dream now I I, I get no, it was dream, the real it, dream and reality are mixing up here but if she's having a dream how does she know what he's looking like it, because it's the real master okay because he is the real master because of the dream he because Buffy fears that the master would be freed then he is temporarily freed like reality shifts mm-hmm. to allow the master to go free all right. I can accept that. I yeah. still think he looked weird. Something was weird about his makeup or his, something. The pink was on his nose instead of his mouth. Okay, yeah, yeah. Less Kool-Aid mouth, more clown nose. I do want to say I love the fact that Joss Whedon does this. I've never I've never before seen like a, a show that had like a villain who like whose plans are interfered with, not like necessarily in a bad way, but like could be in a good way, could be in a bad way, but interfered with in some way by the actions of another villain, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, because Billy Palmer is technically the villain of the story, even though he's not, like, a he's, bad guy. He's the monster. He's not the villain. I have a note here that says asteroid body. Asteroid body, yes. Yes. <laughs> what, what, I don't That's because Buffy says, you mean his, as- like, so Billy's walking around with his asteroid body, and, and Giles is like, astral body. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I was like, why does my note say asteroid body? This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but my note here, so my note here is um, uh, that Joss Whedon often uh, has the big bad of the season play a role in the actions of another villain. Um, and uh, this is something that really influenced in me in my own writing because I, I really asked the question, like, what would two villains do if their plans interact with one another? Mm-hmm. And, like, I love that idea because, like, one villain may be, like, I, I don't. I don't like what you're doing. So I'm going to join with the heroes, and we're going to stop you because mm-hmm. your your plan's messing with my. I want to take over the world, and you're trying to take over the world. We can't both take over the world. So can't share it. I realized I wasn't done talking about Xander. I'm oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I stopped talking about him. Nobody oh, okay. interrupted me. I just realized that the rest of my notes, most of the rest of my notes, are about Xander. Uh, to continue on with what the fuck is going on with Xander, I feel like even at 16. I would not pick up a trail of candy bars. <laughs> yeah. Open each one, shove them in my mouth, and then be standing there talking with my mouth full of chocolate. I have a note about here. Uh, Xander keeps finding candy bars on the ground that look like poop. So you need to slow down if you're going to read notes. Enunciate. Uh, I'm not going to reread that. Um, <laughs> but why, why is he so hungry that he'll take candy bar from the ground? It worries me about how he's been fed by his parents. Usually happens in families with neglect. Yeah, well, yeah. With what? Neglect. Neglect. By the way, I 
discovered a feature on Audacity where I can actually slow somebody down. <laughs> Very um, excited about that. But yeah, so like, 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 I was, I was sort of like, I get that this is maybe supposed to be funny, but I'm legitimately like concerned for Xander at this moment. Well, I think, I think. This is another place where kind of his dream and his reality have interacted. I imagine that that is a dream he's had, where he swallowed a dream mm, of candy. That's true. So uh, I, I doubt that real Xander would pick candy up off the ground and well, eat it. Well, no, because you have to remember, it wasn't actually, uh, like, uh, the following candy wasn't necessarily part of his dream because he follows the candy, like, completely unaware of what he's going after until he finds the... Chocolate um, hurricane. Chocolate hurricane, which he looks at and he says, I haven't eaten these since my birthday, which is when he discovers that, mm-hmm. oh, it's this candy bar is connected to the clown. Right. But I don't think that's necessarily true because Willow also didn't seem aware of how her dream was going to go. Whenever they're like, hurry up, you need to get ready. She was like, what am I doing? Yeah, she, she walked into a closet. She yeah. walked through a wardrobe. She just appeared with makeup on her. Yeah, and, and, she stage, and she was so. clueless. I think the dreams are kind of mixing up. But I want to... I have two more notes about Xander, but they're a little oh, bit heavier. Okay. Do, you want, do you want to go on to something else for a minute? I want to go on to something else. All right. Just because I'm afraid I'm going to forget this. The first time I watched this, when we get into Xander's Nightmare, when he first starts... Walking into that area, their swastika is painted on the wall. He's in this place where it looks like they're tearing something down or building something. And, and he there's mentions Nazis. Yeah, that yeah. was. See, you're you're stealing my thunder. Here. Sorry. So no, the first time I watched it, I was like, why why the hell are their swastikas on the wall? But on my second watch through, when Willow says, you know, spiders crawling on my face, he responds with. It's not like it was Nazis crawling out of the book. Yeah, so apparently Xander has a Nazi thing, and the swastikas were playing back to that. I thought it was it was kind of, it was it was almost too subtle because I found the swastikas distracting. I assumed somebody else had had a dream about swastika about mm-hmm. Nazis. Right. You know, I wonder what that's about because Harris isn't a particularly no Willow's the Jew. I was going to say Willow's Jewish. Yeah, yeah. she's I think Rosenberg. That would have just been too. On the nose to yeah. have Willow have that. So, I don't know if they ever explain that. I'll I be watching for it. I, I, I'll, I'd like to pay more attention for it to it, too. Yeah. Again, another thing that would have been interesting if they had gone with Xander being the gay character. Well, Joss Whedon has a thing about Nazis. Remember Nazi demons? Yes, I do remember Nazi demons. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, oh. Not the Nazi demons in Angel. The Nazi demons in Buffy. Because there were two instances of Nazi demons. Okay, maybe I'm mixing them up in my head. One of the Nazi demons looked like uh, the Nazi demons in Buffy had like looked like kind of like Velociraptors, and they had like and they had like all the paraphernalia. I love that you call them Velociraptors. Yeah, <laughs> Velociraptors. It's so cute. <laughs> okay, um, I've got so many notes here, Kinsey. You haven't talked in a while. <laughs> well, we need some Kinsey. We need, need some Kinsey. I kind of want to jump back to talking about the Master and Buffy because okay. I had actually a note about that. I like that this is how the Master knows what Buffy looks like, and it makes everything real to her now. Like, oh shit, this is this mm-hmm. is everything we're working towards here to stop him. And I think he even makes a comment. He's like, "This is all because of you, you know, that I'm out here. I now know." what you look like and i am free because you fear it because you fear it the world is crumbling your nightmares are made flesh you have little billy to thank for that yeah 
It, you know, it's actually interesting. Mm, I'll save this. <laughs> so I think that to me, that's one of the handful of times, which I'll get into uh, when it gets prophecy girl, that he feels yep. scary. <laughs> like the, I, most I, of the time he's silly. Most of the time, as I, as I've said, you know, since we started this season, he's very Niedermeyer. And I can't take him seriously. But that scene and then the stuff with Prophecy Girl, that's what I wish he would have been less silly. If he'd have been that the whole time, I probably then would have taken him a lot more serious than I did. I'm not sure that you're supposed to. And that yeah. may be. But I, that's honestly what I wanted more of was mm-hmm. less camp from him and more what we were getting. We, we got with this episode. But that's me. I really like his camp. I, I one of the things that like I enjoy about him is even when he's being scary, he'll make jokes like uh like when he says, uh what is it? Um, you a dream is a wish your heart it makes <laughs> <laughs> quoting Cinderella. <laughs> no, sorry, a dream is a wish your heart makes. I just noticed I've got a Willow quote here. I love I love Willow so much. We all love Willow so much. But as she's walking into something that she's terrified of, she thinks she says, I'm not afraid. You'd think I'd be afraid, but I'm not. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. I have a Willow story since you kind of mentioned Willow here. So I love when we see her at her locker. She's got a Nerf Herder sticker in it. Uh-huh. And so, as you know, they're the band that does the theme song. But the whole reason they got the gig, and I did not know this, was because she suggested to Whedon, hey, this band is really awesome. They need to, you should have a look at them to do our theme song. I don't think I knew that. I did not know that. So that trivia factoid is courtesy of the husband, Billy. Okay. He is the one that informed me of that. Like I said, he watched he that is, one with me. And he, he is good for trivia. He is good for trivia. So. Okay. Opinion question. So when, what did they call him? The ugly man? He was bigger. Is that just because Sarah Michelle Geller is so small? <laughs> She's pretty small. <laughs> she is very small. Um, but I, I, I felt like he was bigger the second time we saw him. And it, it may be <laughs> killing me. <laughs> he's, he's playing with his, with a, with a piercing and it's distracting. <laughs> there was definitely some size difference, but I didn't, now that you've mentioned that loud, I kind of just took it as, okay, Sarah Michelle Geller's tiny. But I kind of wonder now if that was to play with the fear and nightmare aspect because the boogeyman's always bigger in your dreams than, than say they are in real life. Well, and they play with that in like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. When um, Freddy Krueger's like going down the alley and his arms right. get really, really long. So I think that it would make a lot of sense for them to do that here with like every time you see him, every time he finds Billy, he gets a little bit bigger. That makes sense. But it doesn't happen beyond that one time at if, if it happens at all. So, and like I, I don't know I I feel like they, they should have if that was what they were trying to do they should have kept it consistent yeah I feel like this is a really really good episode and a really cool story but you can still tell how early it is in the Buffy catalog yeah, yeah. Um, it's, because yeah it's still monster of the week yeah it's still monster of the week and there are still some pretty basic things that they don't like near like like Buffy gets amazing, and you know like the last episode of Buffy is just like dude I think about that a lot I think about that episode a lot there are so many moments of Buffy that I think about a lot and this episode doesn't really have any of those moments it's really good 
And I feel like if it had, if this episode were to have happened in the later seasons, it would be one of the episodes that got brought up more often. Because okay. I think that everybody working on Buffy got better at everything they were doing. All right. I know you had more to say about Xander. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I, I always have more to say about Xander. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I've spent a lot of time kind of complaining about Xander and being like, fuck is wrong with you, Xander? But there are a few moments in this episode that, that really, like, I don't know, they almost killed me, man. Like, when the ugly man comes into Billy's room and Willow says, what are they doing? And then Xander says, I get it. And knowing what we know about Xander's home life now, uh-huh. I feel like, and then also when Xander is watching Buffy meet her father, her actual real father, the way that he watches that interaction, it doesn't feel like he's watching it with sort of the love Darn. and lusts that he has been showing for Buffy. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like he's watching that with like longing. Mm-hmm. And so those two moments, and again, this is knowing, knowing what I know about Xander having watched the right. whole thing, those two moments just felt really heartbreaking to me and sort of reminded me that Xander's really fucked up, guys. <laughs> like, well, he has issues. And when he grabbed up the coach, mm-hmm. when he, I mean, he, and he just grabbed it. Like, like, like Slayer style. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, you're not going anywhere. It yeah. was just, it was such a good Xander moment. Yeah, it it really, really was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's it's those moments that I think remind, like, I think those are the things that made me love Xander and forgive so much else. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, Xander was the only one who really stood up to his dream. When the clown came yeah. at him, Xander turned around and punched the clown and said, you weren't even a good clown. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's the only one that really did that. He was. Like, Willow went along. Like, I love Willow. I think she's a great, strong character, but she did sort of passively go along with her dream. Mm-hmm. Buffy, when she comes out of the thing, was like, don't look at me. And, like, yeah, Xander was the only one that was like, no, fuck this. <laughs> well, to be fair to Buffy, she also, the moment she came out of her dream with her father, and her father had just told her all that stuff, she saw Billy, and then she followed Billy, and she got right back into the, like, right back into Slayer mode. Yeah. I think that's something Sarah Michelle Gellar does so well in this show, and you're really starting to see it in these episodes, that she, you see that she is a 16-year-old girl, but then she puts on her big girl panties, and then she's (laughs) back in Slayer mode. Like, she gives you just that little bit of hint, like, she is a kid. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, nope, we're back to business. Yeah. I, I think she does that fantastically. I like to think, and I think this is just for the sake of my own heart, because that scene really did hurt me. Um, my parents are not divorced, by the way, just to be clear. I think that... I don't know, Donna. They look like they're on the rocks last time I saw them. <laughs> they did not. That was a joke. Um, the, uh, her father proudly showed me her, her mother's Santa Claus collection. He did. He was, in May. He was very excited about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I like to think that when Buffy saw Billy that she realized that what she had just experienced was her nightmare and was not real. I agree. Yeah. I like yeah. to believe that. Well, yeah, and she never really talked about it after that. She didn't, like, bring it up. It wasn't an issue for her. When she saw her father, she didn't seem to have any, like, hang-ups about, but you said... Yeah. Yeah, she got it pretty pretty fast. Yeah. But she was still 
in that moment where, like you guys said, Willow, or not Willow, oh my gosh, Xander was like, no. Yeah. Okay, I have some really huge news I am dying to share. So I am going to... Um, Anybody? What else do we have? Yeah, I've got uh, two things, uh, psychopathology things. Go, go. I'm interested to hear them. You can't cure PTSD uh, with, like, uh, with, like, beating up an ugly man. (laughs) Like, that that would be amazing if that's all it took. If we all had, like, some sort of goetic demon that we could just, like, pour all of our nasty stuff to and then just have it, like, someone beat it up until you, like put it to the ground and then you just pull off its mask and it turns into a bright light and your PTSD is cured. Would love that. Um, <laughs> not how it happens. Uh, Billy does do the Wizard of Oz thing though when he wakes up. It's like, yeah. I had a dream and you were there and you were there. Um, and who are you people? Right? And cholerophobia is serious and we have to respect it. What is that? Fear, Fear of clowns. Fear of clowns. Fear of clowns. Okay. It's very serious and we have to take it very, very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a cholerophobic. I actually do like clowns. Um, but, like, all the research is pointing to the fact that apparently that is a, that is a, my pleasure when I see a clown is entirely, um, like, b- like built. Like, I, I like, it, it's, it's the fire taste clowns. Okay. Because usually clowns, like, when a child is confronted with them and has no context for it, uh, the clown it, it enters into uncanny valley territory. And freaks out most sure. children. So, like, children are usually taught not to be scared of clowns. Uh, they, they're not naturally in love with clowns. So, if, like, if you have a, a kid and he has no context for clowns, they watch out with the clowns. Or, like, introduce him to clowns in a very slow fashion. Not with poltergeist or it, though. Yeah, don't don't introduce. Him. <laughs> I was I was well, gonna say the only clown I'm afraid of, not even not even Pennywise, but the clown from Poltergeist. Ooh-ah. You know, I saw Poltergeist and it when I was very young. Mm-hmm. I have zero problems with clowns. They have never bothered me. No. They don't even register on my scary thing. Now I do have a friend who sits right there where Kinsey sits when we <laughs> play Dungeons and Dragons, who is terrified of clowns. It is so bad. We went to one of those haunted houses for Halloween. And it was, there was apparently a carnival theme in part of it, which we were not aware of because they don't always tell you these things before you go in. And we got through it and he stopped and he looked around and it was like in that moment, all of the actors realized, oh, we got this one. Uh And the clown, there were like two clowns that fucking followed him through the rest of the, not like out of the carnival, honking their little bicycle horns. And he, like, had his hands by his head and his eyes closed. And, like, we were like, it's going to be okay. Like, like, we had a hold of him and we're leading him mm-hmm. through. And we're like, just don't look, man. Just don't look. There's nothing here. There, like, everything is fine. They oughtn't to do that. I know their job is to scare you. But I feel like once you get past their area, they should be like, okay, you passed me. Yeah, I agree. I, I, leave you alone. I feel like they that there should be some sort of training that goes into, here's the difference between fun scared and scared scared. Mm-hmm. Fun scare all of the people that you want. But if you see somebody literally making cowering moves, yeah. back off of that person yeah, because they're, they're not going to come back. If they're trembling, they're not having fun. Yeah. That's a good rule. That's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> oh, I, I, see, I see that I perform my job so well that you've urinated. I am seriously apologetic. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me bow here. Good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> 
So, Jack, I do think, though, jumping back to your whole curing the PTSD, I think that is a faux science that I think you need to look into to make lots of money. Because people <laughs> would, would throw money at you. I think you really need to look into that if you could live uh, with yourself. Oh, if I could live with myself, there's so many things I could do. <laughs> like, I, I literally have, like, at the world at my disposal. And, like... <laughs> And it's just, it's just... Damn ethics. It, Damn it's ethics. ethics. Ethics, we have, like, I, I want to be a part of those membership organizations, <laughs> those professional organizations, so I gotta, gotta follow their codes of ethics. Oh, damn them. Yeah. Paperwork. <laughs> what else we got? That's all I got. I have one more thing, um, and I sort of touch on this a little bit in the next episode, too, but I'll save a lot of it for the next episode because it's more relevant there. This is our first really big unexplained event in the Buffyverse. Mm-hmm. There are people involved, like, like there are people that are involved in this that are not just witnesses to something. They didn't just walk in and see something happen. Like mm-hmm. this is affecting as far as I can tell the entire fucking city. Yeah. yeah. And so it is a huge event. But yeah. they just accept it. They just, they just accept this stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own, the only remaining comment I have is there's a point that Giles mentions that if it were your dreams coming to life, this would be a musical comedy. <laughs> Which makes me think that Once More With Feeling may have been born right there. Shout I, out. I feel like Joss Whedon probably has always wanted to do a musical. I mean, because he felt like after once more feeling, he was like, fuck yeah, Dr. Horrible, here we come. It's true. I feel like Joss Whedon also watched Buffy, watched, oh, sorry, watched uh, Xena the Warrior Princess, and because, like, I, yeah, I, I don't know what I would say, but <laughs> I just, like... Did Xena have a musical episode? Xena had a musical episode. I think it was before Buffy's musical episode, and, like... It's the only two shows I've ever seen do it, and they were so amazing. And I don't know why more shows don't do it. Supernatural kind of did it. Supernatural promised it. You know which show needs to do it? Who's going to be next? Sense8. Sense8's going to be the next musical episode. No, I just want them to have another group sex scene. Well, I'm fine with it. They're so hot. They can do a group sex musical episode. Okay. I accept that. I mean, isn't that just rent? Kenzie, why don't you go ahead and start us with our thank yous. Don't right. you have big news? I do, but I'm going to let her do her thank yous. God so, damn it. I know, right? <laughs> Adrian's ready for the big news, Donna. I'm trying to build tension here. It's, Come on. It's built. It's good tension, though. So I want to thank everybody that's joining us at the party on Instagram and Twitter. We do appreciate when you guys follow us. Definitely tweet you know, with us, Instagram. Tell us your nightmare. Tell us your nightmare. Yeah, that's a good one, Donna. Uh, Tell us your nightmare and we might draw it. Badly, but we'll do it. <laughs> None of us are artists, let's be honest. Yeah. But if you're not following us, of course, you know my standard question is why not? But we're on Twitter at, at once more w Buffy or Instagram once more w Buffy, Buffy as well. So follow us there. You know, we're on social media. We like the interaction. So please check us out. Donna, tell us our big news. Snarkcasts, which is made up of Collective Snark, Beyond the Cabin of the Woods, and What's More With Feeling, has been invited to join the Gumby Cat Podcast Network. Ah! I don't know what that means. Donna, what does that mean? 
Gumby Cat is a podcast network of, I did not write down the damn catchphrase, I'm sorry, Gumby Cat, podcasts for people who like podcasts, only there's another podcast in there somewhere. Um, at any rate, uh, they are a good bunch of people, there's a podcast on there about art, there's a couple of movie podcasts on there, and uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, podcasters on that network is apparently me from another dimension. We are vocal <laughs> twins. I My theory is that Donna in the other dimension has crossed over in our dimension, and now they're all joining forces. So all the Donnas of the world are combining together their power and their strength and are going to rule it. So, spoiler alert. So, if you like the sound of my voice, you're going to like hers. So anyway, Gumby Cat... Network, that's Gumby with an I-E, uh, like the T.S. Eliot cat. Uh, it's Gumby Cat Networks with an S, GumbyCatNetworks.com. Go check them out. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. It will be. Podcasters podcasting for podcast people. Excellently done. Good job. So that's my news. That is great news. So we're... Super excited about it. This is all very new, very fresh for us. So we're we're traversing the waters and just kind of getting things figured out. So you'll you'll definitely since we're we're official there on that. So very happy, very excited, great. Glad to be a cat. Meow, meow. I just felt like meow. You're so weird. I know I am. I know we would all mew, but it it died with me. It It wasn't gonna happen. I know Jack looks at me like. I don't know what I just heard come out of your mouth, Kinsey. It's like a failed way. I, it was. I love you, though. I know. Because of it. Not in spite of it. <laughs> I know I'm loved because of my weirdness, and I've accepted that, and that is okay. I'm happy. Okay. I think... I think we are done. It is time for... Grr. Meow. Bulldog. <laughs> We're the lead. You're the living. Bulldog. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.